Hi guys, what is up? It's Ariel and welcome back to the podcast as he promised. So today it is just me, no special guest and I kind of wanted to just sit here, chat with you guys and just talk. We will have special guests coming up in the later weeks such as next week and for the few weeks after that but today I just kind of wanted to sit down and chat with you guys and just have the podcast to myself. I feel like we're kind of hanging out but I feel like it's more from my perspective. I'm just here sitting in my pjs in my room. I have my bible, my notebook, some coffee and I feel like I'm just hanging out with one of my friends and I just wanted to kind of sit down and just chat with you guys about sophomore year and the things that I've learned from this past year. So sophomore year ended really, really abruptly. And I know it's not just my school year that ended abruptly. It has been a lot of other people's as well. For those who are home right now, who just got out of school and their schools have shut down and moved online, I'm with you. I relate. That happened to me too. And I can understand the difficulty of all of a sudden being in school and then just boom, like transitioning to being home and doing school online, not being able to see your friends. I get the craziness and just like the sadness and also just that weird feeling of like, what is life right now? I get that because I'm there too. And I hope this kind of feels like we're hanging out because I miss hanging out with people. So this can just be our virtual hang and we can just kind of chat about school and everything like that. I go to Liberty University, so I'm in college. I just feel like this year I've learned so, so, so much. And I was reflecting this morning on sophomore year and the lessons that God has taught me this year and I'm just so grateful for what I've learned in the short period of time we were in school. I just kind of want to share it with you guys and just talk about what God has taught me, what I've learned. Before I dive into my time today, I quickly want to just pray and I want to pray for this world right now with coronavirus and I just want to pray for our time together and then also I just want to pray for you, whoever you are listening out here. So wherever you are, if you could just close your eyes, bow your head and join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. I just want to thank you for another day to just be alive and to worship you and just rejoice in your presence. God, I want to thank you that you are who you say you are, Lord, that you are in control, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, that you are beginning and end. God, that you are sovereign and you are king. And we know that during this crazy time, you are in control and you are still Lord of all. But God, I just offer up this world to you right now. Lord, I ask that you just offer protection and healing and peace to all of us here on earth, God. I ask that you give our leaders and our government wisdom to handle these situations. I ask that you give those who are in healthcare and and those people with sickness right now, God, that you just give them strength, that you just protect them. I also just lift up everyone right now who is just dealing with the consequences of this virus, whether it's losing their job or a family member or a friend, losing experiences in life that they looked forward to, Lord. I ask that you just comfort them and I ask that you just be there for them, Lord, and provide for them in a way that I only know that you can, God, in the way that they need and in the way that you know, Lord, how to love them. 
God, I ask that they also just feel your arms around them and embrace them during this difficult time. I pray for my time on this podcast today. I pray that you give me just the words to speak and the truths that you want me to share with those listening. I thank you for just moving in my life this year and continually just moving and teaching and growing. And God, lastly, I just pray for whoever is listening right now. God, I ask that if they don't know you, Lord, that they become open to knowing you and they can see that you are so clearly pursuing them and that you desire a relationship with them and god i ask that they do know you lord i ask that you just give them joy and peace and comfort during this time in jesus name we pray amen all right so diving into sophomore year so basically the first semester was kind of chaotic i lived on a hall for the first semester. I lived in the dorms. I started working at a boutique as the social media and marketing intern and I volunteered at a pregnancy help center and I made a lot of new friends and had some chaos in my friend groups and everything. So that was the first semester and then second semester I feel like it flipped. I loved second semester. Um, Second semester I moved off into an apartment which was such a great decision. I don't regret that at all. I think it is one of the best decisions that I've made in school. And I still worked at the boutique, but then I stopped volunteering at the pregnancy help center just because of scheduling and everything like that. And then second semester, I met a bunch of just really great girls. I had some really great fellowship and I became closer with my previous friendships that I had but then also created new ones and got closer to them and that was so cool and I really really just appreciated the fellowship that I had in second semester and then sadly we went home and so that's just kind of a gist of my sophomore year so just diving into what I have learned from this year in the beginning of the school year, I remember that I was really, really struggling with striving. If you know anything about the Enneagram, if you don't, that's okay. I'm a Enneagram type three, so I am someone who's really motivated. I really like to work. I really like to get things done, and I feel like I'm constantly on the move. Like I feel like I'm never really resting, and it's hard for me to rest. Not like physically, I sleep all the time, but mentally. I feel like I am consistently thinking about what's next. I'm consistently in my head planning things I need to do, planning things I need to get done, and it's so hard for me to just be still and just relax. And I feel like I'm always, always striving. And so that was something that I was really struggling with coming off of the summer into the school year. And I was just getting really discouraged because I was striving after things of this world. So for example, I make YouTube videos and over the summer I was having a lot of success with my YouTube videos but coming into the school year a lot of that success just slowly started to decrease in comparison to the summer and I'm just saying success in terms of I guess like views and numbers and stuff like that and so I was just kind of striving after what I had in the summer And I also was striving to in my job that I started. I was really striving in schoolwork and I was just trying to literally do it all at the same time. And I took 24 credits 
in my first semester, which is insane, insane. I don't know why I did it, but that's kind of what I mean by (laughs) being Enneagram 3, always just trying to achieve and just being so bad at resting. But I definitely, definitely was just striving after things of this world. And during that time, I was struggling in my faith walk because I wasn't really spending time with God and I wasn't really investing time into reading my Bible and having a relationship with him. And I think that's also a reason why I was struggling with striving with these things of the world because I was forgetting what I should be striving for and who my identity is as a child of God. So during this time when I was just striving and striving and striving and I was really pushing myself and I was just trying to achieve all of these things, get all these things done, something that just really comforted me during this time and kind of just brought me back to Jesus is the book of Ecclesiastes. And a little background on the book of Ecclesiastes, it's written by King Solomon. He's the son of King David and he also is a very wise man. But he also is someone who is a really rich man. He has tons of riches, tons of livestock, tons of land, and tons of wives. So he basically has it all. He's like the equivalent of a billionaire today. You know, he's got money, he's got success, he's got followers, he has got women, he's got whatever that you think is like the coolest thing that the richest person would have That's what Solomon would have in modern day times. And to know that someone on that level of success wrote this book is just crazy, but it's also so true. So he writes this book called Ecclesiastes, and it basically just talks about how striving after things of this world will never satisfy you, and that as much as we work, for these things in this world, as much as we yearn and try to chase these things of the world, it's never going to satisfy us and it's never going to be enough and it's empty. It's empty. I feel like we all know this in the back of our heads. We all know that these things won't satisfy us, but for some reason, we always, always chase these things. We always try to take these things and stuff them in this God-sized hole in our heart in order to fulfill us, in order to feel like we accomplished something, in order to seem meaningful. And I am no exception. In my natural tendencies, I'm going to be honest that a lot of times I don't chase God. I try to chase what I can accomplish myself. And that's where I was in the beginning of this sophomore year. I really just saw myself chase after things that I wanted and I was neglecting my relationship with God and I was trying to just feel complete by doing all these things and trying to be like superwoman. Some of my favorite verses from Ecclesiastes are chapter 1 verse 3 which says, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? And then I really like too in verse 8 of the same chapter, all things are full of weariness, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear is filled with hearing. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, which I really recommend, I really, really like how there is just this statement that is repeated throughout the whole chapter. And it's first seen in chapter 1, verse 14. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. This is a verse that is repeated so, so many times in this book. And I love, love that. 
I consistently always think this because I get so caught up in the mindset that if I do this, then I'll be happy. If I accomplish this, then I'll be happy. And I think we all get stuck in that mindset. So for me, it was like, okay, if I accomplish all these classes in this semester, then I can graduate early and then I'll be out of college and then I'll be happy. Or it was, if I reach this milestone of subscribers on YouTube, then I'll be happy. Or if I reach this average amount of views on my videos, then I'll be happy. Or it's also, if I make this much money for my job this month, then I'll be happy. And I know so many of us have that mindset, even if we don't acknowledge it, where we think we just need to accomplish this thing and once we have it, we will be happy. And this has been a mindset that I have realized that I've had since I was a child. And I used to love American Girl dolls and I used to be like, okay, if I get this American Girl doll for Christmas, after that, I won't ever want an American Girl doll again and I'll be happy. But we don't work like that. Humans don't work like that. I remember I would get that American Girl doll and then in a few months when a new American Girl doll would come out, I would be like, oh, no, 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 I want her. And after I get this doll, then I'll be happy. And then it's the same way now when I'm a young adult and I'm like, okay, well, once I graduate from college and I get my dream job, then I'll be happy. And then I know that if I continue to have that mindset in the future, it'll be like, once I get this promotion, I'll be happy. Or once I get married, I'll be happy. Once I have more kids, I'll be happy. Once my kids got into this college, I'll be happy. And it's just this continual pattern of when we rely on this world and our accomplishments that we get from this world for happiness, we will never be satisfied. And it is all vanity. And like Solomon says, a striving after wind. I feel like that is such a simple truth, but it's a very, very powerful truth. And it's a truth that I consistently cling to because I have to catch myself and realize that I'm not pursuing Jesus and I'm pursuing the world in some of my endeavors, and some of my thinking, and some of my mindset. And so for me, one of my first lessons I've learned in sophomore year is to stop striving towards the things of this world and strive towards Jesus. Because Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy. Jesus is the only thing that will never disappoint. And Jesus is the only thing that is not vanity. And when we pursue him, we will feel satisfied. We will be filled because we have a God-sized hole in our heart. But it's when we choose to find other things to try and fill this whole and it's not with Jesus, that's when we're dissatisfied. That's when we feel like we're striving and that's when we're craving things and feeling so disappointed and empty. Because if you look at the things of the world, things of this world will fade away. Nothing lasts forever. Material possessions, money, looks, even some relationships. Nothing lasts forever and it's all fickle, but the only thing that lasts forever is Jesus Christ because he's the same today, he was the same yesterday, and he's the same forever. And he's the only person who's promising us something everlasting. He's promising us the gift of salvation and he's promising us heaven. And so I, I think for me in the beginning of the year, something I learned is that striving after this world is just useless and it won't satisfy. But striving after God is something that does satisfy. And I know that's from experience, especially from experiencing it at the beginning of this year. Something I realized too with the start of my sophomore year is that I'm going to end up graduating early. And by early, I mean early, early. I am going to graduate in two and a half years instead of four. And it just happened that way because I am an overachiever and I took a bunch of classes and I tested out a bunch of classes. And so now I'm going to be done with school pretty early and I already have like a minor added on. When I first found out about that, when I first kind of realized that when I was looking at my degree completion plan, I was 
I was kind of excited, but then I was also really nervous and really scared because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I'm going to be so young and I'm going to be done with college and I have to make a plan. I have to make a plan because that's just like the natural tendency in me. I have to make a plan and I have to, I like to be in control. I like to to know what's going to be next. I don't like surprises. And I feel like me graduating early and moving on and not knowing what to do next was like the ultimate surprise, but in the worst way. And so at the time, I was reading 1 John and it basically was just talking about abiding in Christ. And so a lot of times in the church, the word abide gets thrown around and people will say like, oh, abide in Jesus or just abide in him. And I never really knew what abide meant. In 1 John, I was reading chapter 2 and it was talking about Christ being our advocate and us abiding in Christ. In this chapter alone, the word abide appears 10 times. And if a word in a chapter appears 10 times in the Bible, it means that it definitely has a lot of significance and we should pay attention. And so I was reading this chapter and I was like, I don't even know what abide means. And so I looked it up. So I looked on the dictionary and in the dictionary, it was defined as to remain stable or in a fixed state or to accept or act accordance with. And then I looked it up in the Bible dictionary and it says that it means to await, remain, lodge, dwell, endure, or sojourn. And then I looked it up in Hebrew and abide in Hebrew is either yashba, and I know that I'm butchering my Hebrew, but it means to dwell, or means meno, which means to remain. And let me tell you, when you know what a word means, it makes it so much easier to understand how it's being used, but then also when you know what something means, you can understand the value behind it. And then once I knew what abide meant, I reread 1 John chapter 2, and then I was able to really understand how Christ is our advocate. And so the word abide, I love how it's defined as a dwelling place, to dwell, to sojourn, to remain, to lodge, to await. Now when I think about abiding in Jesus, I think about being home. And I think about, you know, going home, feeling comfortable, feeling safe, knowing I'm protected there, knowing that I can just be there and be in peace. I just kind of think about like a cozy little cottage where you just feel safe and you feel welcomed and you feel like you can just be in peace. And I think that's what abiding in Jesus is. It's, you know, remaining in him, remaining in God and knowing that he's our dwelling place, that he's our home and that we are safe when we're with him because he has us in his hands that abiding in him is taking these things that we are scared of, we're anxious of, and giving it to him. We're sitting there and we're awaiting, we're remaining, and we're allowing him to move on his time. And we're not worried about our timing and our plans because we know that God has it covered and that he is our dwelling place and that he's in control. And so that's the second thing that I learned this semester is what abiding in Christ means and how I can put that practically in my life. And so for me, practically, it's taking all these crazy thoughts I have towards graduating, all my anxieties, all my fears and everything like that, and giving it to God and then remaining in him, 
reading his word, being in his presence, worshiping, being in fellowship, taking each day at its time, day by day, and each day continuing to just remain in God, to dwell in his presence, and to trust him and know that his timing is best and that, you know, when I take these things and I give it to him, that I can have peace. So the next thing that I've learned from this semester is that you have to fight for your relationship with God to grow. And so what I mean by this is in this semester, college kind of became college. I feel like freshman year, you are in a lot of gen eds and the classes are not too hard. You kind of settle into things academically. And the big focus is just prioritizing social life over everything else because it's like first year, it's like summer camp. You're there with all your friends. You can do whatever you want. Your parents aren't there. You know, no one's really in charge of you. And it's kind of like a free for all. And then sophomore year is when I feel like academics come in and you have all this schoolwork, but then you also have your social life and then also, you know, you have other things besides that. You have your family and your relationship with Christ. You might have a job. And so it's balancing all of those things. And so something I struggled with was prioritizing my relationship with Christ and prioritizing growing my relationship with Christ because You can't grow in a relationship with someone if you aren't spending time with them. And so something that I started to realize is that you have to fight for your relationship with Christ every day. One of the biggest blocks of having a relationship with Christ that grows is busyness. I think that sometimes we're too busy and I speak from personal experience. Sometimes we are too busy that we neglect what is most important and that we don't prioritize what's important in our lives and we just do these like menial tasks. So for me, during this school year, there would be times where I really didn't prioritize my relationship with God and I would do everything but read my Bible. You know, I'd go to the gym, I'd hang out with my friends, I would do homework and then I would work. And I think in this modern day and age, one of the things that plague us the most and distract us the most is our busyness. I think people, especially in the United States, are too busy. And because we're too busy, we're too distracted to focus on Jesus. And I think that busyness becomes a distraction and hurts us in our spiritual battle. It's not easy to read your Bible consistently. It's really not because once you start the first few days, maybe you're like, this is great. You know, like I'm going to continue reading my Bible every day. And then life just takes a toll. You might have a test that you have to study for. And you're like, I can't give up studying for my test. I can't read my Bible right now. And then maybe you stayed up too late with your friends and you're too tired. And you're like, I don't want to read my Bible or you just don't feel like it. And these are all things that I've done and I still do. But something that I've learned is that you have to fight. You have to fight for that time. You have to purposely set apart time in your day and you have to prioritize your relationship with God and you need to be in his word. And another thing too about fighting is that, you know, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And when we don't fight for this time to be with God in his word, then we are basically just ripping off our armor and allowing us to just be attacked and we become defenseless. So like that just takes me to Ephesians chapter six where it talks about the armor 
armor of God. Ephesians 6 verse 10 reads, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation in the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What I just read from Ephesians 6 is that we as Christians are in a constant spiritual battle. And that's something that I really realized this year because I feel like I really started to join the fight last year, especially the end of last year, where I started to read my Bible and I really wanted to pursue a relationship with Jesus and I was really looking to grow. And I started to notice that those days where I wasn't reading my Bible and I didn't have you know, the word of God, which says in Ephesians is the sword of the spirit. I felt like things were just tearing me down and I was getting really distracted and really discouraged on those days. And I started to realize, and even more this year, that we do have the fight and we are fighting a spiritual battle. But one of the things that really plague us and that the enemy uses is our busyness. He uses our busyness. And I think that a lot of us are too busy for our own good because we allow our busyness to become a distraction, an excuse for why we're not spending time with Jesus. But what we don't realize is that when we don't spend time with Jesus and we're not in his word consistently, we are losing the battle because we're leaving ourselves defenseless in this spiritual battle. We're dropping our swords on the field and we're just allowing us to just get hit by arrows and we're allowing us And we're allowing us to get attacked because we have neglected to pick up our swords and continue the fight. And I think that's something that I've really seen and I really realized this year is I'll have days where I won't read my Bible and it's not like super dramatic. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden all these things are plaguing me and, you know, it's a terrible day. But then I just start to realize that the way that I see people the way that I treat people, the way that I even feel is different. I kind of realized in the second semester that, you know, I really was not talking about people kindly. And there'd be times where I would say like snippety things towards people, my own friends. And it was because I wasn't in the Bible and I wasn't reading the Bible for like a big period of time. Or I could see myself starting to be just judgmental and annoyed towards people. And I wasn't loving the way that Christ wanted me to love. But At the same time, I wasn't reading my Bible, I wasn't growing, I wasn't being filled and encouraged daily by his word, and I was leaving my sword on the ground, and I was allowing the enemy to put lies in my heart, lies in my head, throw arrows at me, throw darts at me, and I wasn't allowing God's truth to come into my life and be active. I wasn't living out the truth that I was reading because I wasn't even reading any truth. And so I started to realize that 
we are in a battle and that you have to fight to grow in your relationship with God. You have to fight to protect yourself. You have to read God's word. You have to pick up your sword and you have to be consistent in it. And it's hard. And that in and of itself, consistency and pursuing God is hard. And so that's definitely something that I've learned this semester and that I've seen is that you know, we have to choose to set apart time. We have to choose to prioritize reading our Bible and it does have value and it is important and reading your Bible does matter. So another thing that I've learned this semester is trusting in the Lord and being patient. So right now I'm currently reading Genesis and I am in Genesis where Abram is introduced and becomes Abraham. Sarai, his wife, becomes Sarah And God has given him the promise of making him a great nation, of giving him the land of Canaan, and giving him an offspring through his elderly wife, Sarah. I really like the story of Abraham. I have always been really drawn to this story because I relate to Abram. I really relate to Abram and Sarai. And I'm calling them Abram and Sarai because I'm talking about before God named them Abraham and Sarah. So starting off in Genesis chapter 12, this is where... Abram's story begins, and this is before God named him Abraham. Basically, God commands Abram to leave his country, leave his father's house and his family, and he is going to make him a great nation. God's going to bless Abram, make his name great, and he's also going to give the land of Canaan to his offsprings. This podcast is called As He Promised because something that I really hold to is that while God doesn't answer every prayer request god always upholds his promises and that god is a promise keeper if you read the story of abram it has a lot to do with promises as well so god basically makes this promise to abram that he's going to be a great nation he's going to be the father of the great nation he's going to have a son and he's going to get this land so god makes these promises for abram and abram is probably like okay great you know, love these promises, God. I'm excited. It's going to happen. It's going to be good. And then he goes into a season of waiting. I relate to this because I feel like I'm always in seasons of waiting. I feel like I'm always waiting for something, you know, to graduate, to get a job, to move to Florida, to get married, to have kids, for my kids to get old. You know, we're always going to be in seasons of waiting. And so Abram gets these promises from God and then he enters a season of waiting. But this is where I relate to Abram. We have these promises from God. In the Bible, God gives us certain promises and he tells us certain things, but Oftentimes, we forget the promises of God and we forget who God is and then we grow impatient and out of our impatience becomes desperation. And so Abram and Sarai go to Egypt because there is a famine in the land. And when they're going into Egypt, Abram says to his wife, and he's like, you're so beautiful that the Egyptians are going to take you away from me. They're going to kill me and they're going to give you to Pharaoh. So for me to live, you need to lie and you need to say that we are siblings. And so Sarai's like, okay. And so they go into Egypt and they lie. And because of that, Pharaoh gets plagued with all of these plagues. And then basically Pharaoh's like, Abram, I know you are lying. This is not your sister. This is your wife. Go out. And then he's like, get out of Egypt. This is a story that I just relate to. Not 
in the sense of I'm telling someone that, you know, my husband is my sibling, but it's that how often do we forget who God is and we try to take matters in our own hands and we try to fulfill the promises that he's given us with our tools, with our own way, with our own methods, and it fails. I feel like there's so many times where I'm like, oh, God wants this for me. And I try to attain it on my own and it always fails. It always ends up hurting and there's always consequences because sin has consequences. And also when we don't trust God and we don't wait on him and his provision and we try to do it ourselves, it cheapens the promise and it's not the same. Another example of this is with Sarai and Hagar. And so Sarai, who's Abram's wife, she says to Abram in chapter 16, verse 2, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. I relate to Sarai. I do. I know that before I read this chapter and I've been like, Oh, Sarai is so stupid. Why can she not just wait for God? Why can't she not just wait for God to provide? It's going to come. But then we forget that we do the same thing all the time. And it's when we live according to our own timing and not God's that we grow to become desperate and we try to cheat the process of what God has promised. So Sarai, she hears what God has promised, but she rejects that. She's like, no, God doesn't want me to have kids. He doesn't want me to have an offspring. And he's like, Abram, Let's cheat the system and create a son another way. And so she takes matters into her own hands, but then it ends up backfiring on her because her servant Hagar, the Egyptian, becomes pregnant and she has a baby. And then after, she is contemptuous towards Sarai. And then Sarai gets mad and then she's really rude to her servant Hagar. And then Hagar runs away. And I think the story of Sarai and Hagar is just another example of that when we try to make our own plans and we don't rely on God and his plans and his timing, we often just end up in sin. We end up in hurt. We end up in consequences. And then we cheapen his promise and we end up creating problems that should never have been there in the first place. Because after Sarai told Abram to do that and her servant Hagar did get pregnant, then there were problems. Because then Hagar had a son and she was rude to Sarai and then Sarai was in return rude and hurtful towards Hagar and then Hagar ran away. So later we find out that Hagar's son is going to be named Ishmael and later we see that Ishmael's descendants are going to have a bad relationship with Israel's descendants and that just stems from Sarai's original sin of not trusting God because there are consequences and there's a lot of pain and hurt that comes out of it. But I think the really cool thing from this story is that God always, always meets us in the wilderness and that God has grace towards us. God has grace to Abram. God has grace to Sarai. God has grace to Hagar. When Hagar runs away from Sarai, the angel of the Lord, which is pre-incarnate Jesus, meets her in Genesis 16, verse 7. And he says, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Hagar tells the angel of the Lord what's going on in her problems. And and I love in Genesis 16, verse 11, God says, Behold, you are pregnant and you shall bear a son and you should name his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. You know, God looks after us. 
and God blessed Hagar with the son. And I love to in Genesis 16 verse 13. And so she says, so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here, I've seen him who looks after me. God looks after us even after our sin, even after we face those consequences, even after we forget who he is and we forget his promises and we become impatient and tired of waiting and we try to do things on our own. God shows so much grace to Abram and Sarai too. He still upholds his covenant. In chapter 17, he says, verse 4, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offsprings after you. And I will give to you and your offsprings after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And then he says in verse 15, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations, kings of people shall come from her. Isn't that so crazy that the God that we serve is a God who is so forgiving and so full of grace that even after we forget who he is, even after we disobey him, even after we try to continually do things on our own and we mess up and we make these mistakes, he still forgives us and he still upholds his promises. In Christ, we are new creations. Abram is no longer Abram. He's now Abraham. Sarai is no longer Sarai. She's Sarah. I love this story and I just relate that, you know, in the times that I've been in seasons of waiting and I try to achieve the promises that God has for me in my own cheap and broken way. God is still there to redeem me. God is still there to forgive me and he has grace for me because grace is something that we don't deserve but we still receive. That's exactly who Jesus is. He's a picture of grace and we just know that from reading the Bible and knowing the gospel, knowing that Jesus died on the cross for us and he did that even though we didn't deserve it, which is grace and he rose again and he's victorious. So everything that I've learned this semester has brought me to my fifth and my last lesson, which is we are never alone. There's been times this semester where I have felt really lonely and I felt more lonely this year than I have the year before. Everything I've learned has just pointed me to this truth is that I am not alone and that God is always here for me, that he is my rock and that in him, I can be satisfied. In him, I can abide in him and he's my dwelling place and I can remain in him. So those are some lessons from my sophomore year and some of the things I've learned from reading my Bible this year. It's definitely been a very interesting year. There's been a lot of seasons this year, seasons where I felt really happy and it's been easy to pursue a relationship with Christ, but then also seasons when it's been hard and it's hard to pursue a relationship with Christ. But through it all, you know, God has always remained the same and I know that I'm not alone and that he is pursuing a relationship with me and he's always there for me. 
And so I just want to thank you guys for just listening to this podcast today, just hanging out with me and being willing to hear some of the things that God has taught me in this past year. Hopefully some of these things encouraged you and I am praying for you guys. If you have any questions or you want to talk about some of the things that I've said on this podcast today, you can always message me on the podcast Instagram at As You Promised Podcast. And with that said, I will see you guys next week with a new episode.